Hello and welcome back to Market House, a podcast where we talk about all things Disney. My name is Caleb and I am the host of the show. And uh, yeah, last week I mentioned how excited I was that we kind of received our first storm of the season uh, with lots of rain. Uh, It literally rained all day. Um, I enjoyed it while it was raining, but let me tell you, I do not like what happens after the rain, and especially here in California where it rains for one day and then the next day it's 73 degrees in October. Uh, So yeah, didn't know about the army of ants kind of planning their attack underneath our house because they came out and they're the most annoying creatures on God's green earth. Um, They're attacking our bathroom as we speak. Uh, you know, you've got the bait traps out and all that good stuff, but you have to kind of live with them for a week while they uh, eat the uh, sugar slash poison. Um, and, you know, I don't mind. It sounds cruel, but uh, ants are the worst thing on the planet. So anyways, uh, currently uh, in a battle with the ants. I think we're winning right now, but they are sure uh, they sure are annoying. So dealing with that, uh, love the rain, but don't like what comes afterwards. And, uh, yeah, we just actually watched, um, a dis or not, not a Disney movie last night. We watched Coraline, which if you haven't seen it, it's, uh, one of those stop motion, uh, movies with the crazy puppets and it's just unbelievable. So we love that movie. It's kind of a Halloween favorite of ours. Um, so, uh, watch that last night. Uh, it's a fantastic movie. I know it's not Disney, but, um, if you haven't seen it, uh, give it a watch. It's it's worth it. So uh, we actually have a few, quite a few news stories for you. So let's go ahead and dive in. All right. Our first news story is uh, the inevitable, but never fun price increase at Disneyland. Uh, looks like they raised ticket prices uh, from about three to 8%, uh, kind of dependent on what tier you're purchasing. If you don't know, uh, I think most people do, but Disneyland now uses a uh, kind of a tiered ticket price structure. Uh, so if you're going to go on a Wednesday in the middle of I don't know February, you're going to pay probably the least tier one, uh, which is the cheapest, which I think is around 120 something a day or 130 something a day, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for a single day. And then you'll pay, there used to be five tiers. Now there's a sixth tier. This was part of that increase. They announced a sixth tier and that, uh, is at $164 for a single day, uh, single park, uh, ticket. So you're looking at a hundred and if you want to go, I'm assuming this is, uh, what the price is, but if you want to go like the week of Christmas or the week of Thanksgiving, uh, on new year's day, those are the prices you're going to look at. So 164 bucks, uh, for the highest demand days uh, of the year. So again, not super surprising. They raise them pretty much every year. So we were bound to get one and they just announced it and they go, uh, they're effective for that day. So uh, yeah, if you're planning on going, you haven't bought your tickets yet, you might be paying a little bit more than expected. Uh, and also uh, parking was increased by $5. So it's now $30 a day instead of 25. So again, save your pennies, because uh, it's just getting more expensive, uh, as I feel like everything else in the world is. Next up, we have the uh, pause of uh, the Dream Key sales. So uh, the uh, the Magic Keys are, you know, different tiers, of course. Disneyland loves their tiers. Uh, top one's Dream Key. Next is Believe. 
Next one down is Enchant. And then the very bottom one, I believe, is called Imagine. That's kind of like the SoCal uh, season pass. Uh, but yeah, so the Dream Key, the kind of the the crown jewel, the very expensive one, the top creme de la creme pass, uh, the one that didn't have any blockout dates, uh, but you know was still subject to the uh, favorite reservation system, uh, that is on pause. Um, so you cannot, it's showing sold out on the website. So if you were curious or uh, intending on buying one, you're going to have to wait a little bit. Uh, folks kind of think that they're going to go back on sale after the holidays. I think they're trying to manage uh, you know, crowds and also set expectations. I think, honestly, this is a temporary fix to the reservation problem because if they continue to sell these so-called unlimited kind of uh, no-restriction passes, uh, people would continue to be upset uh, you know, knowing there was no reservations available. So I think this is maybe a temporary fix to that reservation system problem and uh, they're pausing the sales of the dream key. So again, keep checking. Again, if you wanted to buy one, uh, you can keep checking probably at the end of December, I'm assuming beginning of January, you should see those come back on sale. Next up, we have uh, the new Marvel movie Eternals uh, is being review bombed um, on IMDb uh, even before it's out to the public. So people haven't even seen this movie and they're already upset enough to uh, give that poor movie a bunch of one-star reviews. Last time I checked, it was at over 400 one-star reviews on the site. And yeah, it looks like people are doing it because they have some kind of problem with some content in the film. I don't want to get too, you know, far into it. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, I just kind of don't understand the point of doing that to a movie when you can simply not go see it. I think that's a, a better solution to your grievances is to just go ahead and, you know, keep your hard-earned dollars and uh, don't go to the theater and, and see this movie and pay to see it. So, um, again, I, I'm not one to sit there and defend, you know, multi-billion dollar companies. I think they've got plenty of people to do that for them that are on the payroll. But um, I, I guess my frustration with it is you've got thousands and thousands of people that are employed uh, off of one movie and these people are just like you and me, right? They're not all celebrity multimillionaires. You've got people that are very middle income, uh, you know, regular old people that are employed in the movie industry and they pour a lot of, you know, hard sweat, blood, tears into these films and they're, you know, they're away from home for months at a time. And because you don't like something that was in there, you go ahead and go uh, review bomb this thing, which again, negatively negatively impacts the kind of turnout uh, at the movies, right? So if it's getting terrible reviews and it actually ends up being a decent film and it's got a two and a half out of five because a bunch of people gave it one-star reviews, uh, you know, that's folks aren't going to go uh, spend the money to go to go see the movie. So again, I don't know. Stay at home if you don't like it, but don't, don't ruin everybody else's time with it uh, because you've got some problem. All right, let's end this news segment with some uh, good news and not not negative stuff, you know, negative nasty things. Uh, but it looks like the Main Street Electrical Parade is coming back to Disneyland. And uh, this was actually announced on, oh geez, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but they teased this news on their Disney's official TikTok account. 
and uh, I don't consider myself very old, but I'm old enough to go, what in the world? I can't believe that breaking news is hitting on TikTok. Of all, you know, social media sites, of all news sources, uh, TikTok is where Disney chose to announce <laughs> the uh, the return of Main Street Electrical Parade, which I kind of think is funny since it was originally released in 1972. So uh, the bunch of Gen Z, you know, uh, 19 year olds on TikTok are going to be like, what the blank is, uh, the main street electrical parade. So, uh, again, good stuff. Uh, I'm excited to see this come back. It's a fun parade. It's still culturally relevant, even though it is so old It's a classic. I think any Disney fan knows what the main street electrical parade is. Uh, but yeah, I think the last time it was here was actually in DCA. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, that had to have been 10 years ago, I think, but, um, yeah, it's coming back. So, Excited to see some nighttime, uh, some more nighttime shows uh, come to the parks, and this looks like it's going to be one of them. All right, so that's that's the news for this week. But uh, yeah, now we are. Uh, this kind of leads us to uh, today's main segment, and that is uh, kind of my thoughts on Bob Chapek as uh, Disney CEO. And, uh, you know, I <laughs> chose to do this because uh, there's quite quite a lot of uh, people's opinions out there on uh, the Twitters and the uh, social medias, anything out there uh, that people can kind of type up their own uh, opinions on. And even in the podcast world, people have shared uh, their opinion on the guy. And so I kind of wanted to share what my thoughts were on uh, his tenure so far and, uh, you know, maybe address some of the concerns that you may have and that I have, I share with you most likely. And, uh, yeah, so I'll kind of, let me overview kind of the format of what I'm going to do here. I'll give you a quick and dirty history of his, uh, <laughs> of his, uh, history at the Walt Disney company by no means it's going to be a, a super, uh, in depth or anything. We're not going to go into every single little detail of his career, uh, at the, at, at the company, but, I will give you an overview and a summary of that. We'll dive into kind of the common complaints that I hear about him and uh, kind of my thoughts on that. And if I think it's fair to maybe peg it all on him. And then also I'll just kind of wrap it up with just my general thoughts on the state of the company and uh, kind of the my current feelings on uh, on on Bob, on our pal Bob. We're, we're on a first name basis. I uh, commonly text him and uh, I don't, I'm lying. I'm a liar, but... Uh, anyways, let's dive in. I'm going to stop rambling now and let's go ahead and talk Bob. Uh, but yeah, so he, uh, Bob Chapek, uh, started his career, uh, at Disney in 1993. So, uh, he's been there quite a long time. Uh, he started off as marketing director for Buena Vista Home Entertainment. Uh, in 2006, he was promoted to become the president of Buena Vista Home Entertainment. Uh, this included all home video, DVD, Blu-ray releases, uh, for all the uh, divisions of the Disney company, and in 2009 became president of distribution for Walt Disney Studios. Uh, in 2011, he was appointed as president of consumer products, and uh, his time there, he was uh, he finished some major licensing deals with Hasbro, uh, which was all related to uh, the Marvel and Lucasfilm purchases. So uh, when Disney purchased those companies, uh, you have to renegotiate kind of those toy contracts and licensing deals with the toy manufacturers, that being Hasbro. So uh, he was responsible for kind of locking all that down. And uh, this takes us to 2015, 
where he was named chairman of the Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, uh, replacing Mr. Tom Staggs. Uh, again, if you're a Disney freak like I am, you know uh, we all miss Tom Staggs. He was an outstanding uh, chairman, and uh, I miss him every day. But uh, he's since moved on uh, from the company. And um, Chapek, uh, during his time as chairman, oversaw the completion of Pandora in Walt Disney World and Galaxy's Edge in both Disneyland and Disney World. So kind of responsible for those uh, lands there, one being insanely popular, the other one, you know, I think having lukewarm reviews, which I think we all know which one that is, Galaxy's Edge. Uh, And then finally, this brings us to February of 2020, when Chapek was named CEO of the Walt Disney Company. So this man has climbed the corporate ladder for a very long time, north of 28 years, and yeah, I mean, the guy, I mean, give him credit. I mean, the guy can get promotions. I mean, nonstop promoting. I need a little bit of that promotion magic for myself in my career. That would be uh, nice. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, hold on. Let me give credit where credit is due. All of that information was stolen from the Bob Chapek Wikipedia page. So shout out to Wikipedia, uh, every high school and college student's uh, favorite source of information. Uh, But yeah, again, that's a quick and dirty overview of his history with uh, the Disney company. And again, not at all a uh, full 360. So if you are more curious about the man, definitely look him up yourself because I did not cover every little detail. But yeah, let's go ahead and kind of go over the common complaints that I hear about Mr. Chapek in the news, in uh, the Twitterverse and uh, podcast world. So number one thing I, I hear, number one by far, and I think this might be focused, it's because I'm focused on the park so much, but the parks feel like a cheaper experience right now. So reduction in quality, uh, you know, maybe that's park maintenance, uh, things are breaking down a little more often now, things are being kind of kept up with, paints chipping, I mean, you know, the little things like that, uh, things to do, there's kind of a lack of entertainment right now, a uh, lack of food options for some folks, uh, there's straight up restaurants and kiosks that are closed still, not even open, and if they are open, there's reduced hours, so reduced staffing, right, uh, uh, understaffing of the parks, So, and all with higher prices. So it's not like they've reduced prices to match the experience. Uh, No, you're paying more, uh, you know, with this recent price increase uh, for less uh, desirable circumstances or less desirable experience uh, at the park. So I think it's fair to attach some of this to uh, the new CEO, but also you have to understand we are coming out of a pandemic. Whether you agree with the response or not, this had a serious effect on businesses all over the world, and especially ones that had a big reliance on in-person entertainment. I mean, look at Disney. Uh, The company lost $7 billion in parks revenue because of the closures. So that was just parks revenue. This is not including uh, movie theaters being closed down for that amount of time. You have to imagine they're already having to deal with reduction in, I think, uh, revenue from their TV networks and stuff because people just aren't watching as much TV. So, you know, again, it's hard to feel bad for a multi-billion dollar company like, oh, poor Disney, they missed out on $7 billion in revenue. Now, again, don't get this confused with profit because the company is still profitable. So they, they still make gobs of money. Don't feel too bad. But they did miss out on $7 billion of revenue. That's a lot of, that's a chunk of change, man. I mean, I don't know about you and me. I don't got 7 billion bucks laying around. So 
That is a lot of money. And at the end of the day, you have to remember that Disney is a for-profit business, right? They, they need to make money at the end of the day. So as magical and amazing as it is, they are a business that is supposed to print money and deliver value to their shareholders. Not, you know, not uh, really print money. What I mean by that is make a heck of a lot, heck of a lot of it. And they do that very well. So again, the CEO's job, Mr. Chapek's job is to bring value to the shareholders. And that's at the end of the day, that's his main priority. So it's, it's unfortunate, but true. Uh, in today's kind of corporate world, that is his responsibility as the company CEO. So yeah, I, I will attach some of that to COVID. And I, and I think that had a major, not think, I know that had a major effect on the company. And so you have to understand he's trying to navigate that, right? He's trying to kind of plug the holes, right? The ship may be sinking a little bit and there's some water coming in and he's having to plug those holes and uh, bail the water out uh, uh, as fast as possible and uh, as effectively as possible. So uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think there really is an excuse for the understaffing of the parks, uh, the lack of maintenance. Uh, again, I can understand I get cutting budget on expansion of uh, parks, right? Maybe new rides, uh, any kind of new restaurant that's, uh, sorry, new restaurants that were planned, expansion projects. I understand putting those to a halt, right? Those cost a lot of money. And those are new additions. We really don't need them per se. Do we want them? Of course, but we don't need those kinds of expansions. So I get kind of halting that kind of spend. I really don't get understaffing, you know, limited food options that I go, hey, people are paying really good money to attend these parks. And I think you have a uh, obligation as a company to uh, offer uh, kind of put the best put best foot forward and offer the best experience possible. So not going to defend them completely on that one. I'm going to give them, you know, half the blame, let's say, let's put the other half on the pandemic. And if you disagree, please uh, reach out via Instagram uh, on any of these points. Or if you agree and want to chat, uh, shoot us a, a DM on Instagram and love, love to go back and forth on what your thoughts are uh, on, on, on these subjects. So, uh, this brings us to the next one. The the second most I hear about is kind of everything is IP focused IP being intellectual property. So, uh, let's say the frozen brand, let's say star Wars, let's say, uh, Zootopia IP is basically property that the company owns and owns outright. So no one else can kind of, uh, replicate that those characters and those stories. So, uh, but yeah, no original ride ideas are being built and everything is IP focused. This one, I can't put the blame on Mr. Chapek. And let me tell you why. Uh, Bob Iger, and let me go ahead and just uh, make this note, the most impressive guy in business right now, full stop, don't care what you have to say, don't care about your opinion, I'm just kidding, I care. Uh, there's plenty of impressive men and women in business, but uh, uh, Mr. Iger is a uh, outstanding executive and uh, kind of rose up uh, from the bottom of the Disney company and rose up to be CEO. So good for him. I have nothing but respect for the guy. So as you may know, previous CEO, very successful uh, uh, career and very successful time as CEO, did a fantastic job for the company. And he mentioned in his book, uh, which I'm already forgetting what the title is. <laughs> I should have written this down. Ugh. Uh, give me one second here. Let me look that up. Oh, gosh. 
Oh, man, this is bad. Let me tell you what this is. Oh, I'm a loser. The Ride of a Lifetime. That's the name of the book. Uh, I don't know why you need to know that. Uh, know that. You could have looked it up yourself. But anyways, The Ride of a Lifetime, Mr. Iger's book about his time as CEO for the Walt Disney Company, mentions how important IP is to the Disney parks. So Iger himself, the guy that everyone loves, mentioned himself in the book saying IP is critical to the development of the theme park. So I don't think that JPEG deserves the blame for that one. I think that is a company belief and a company strategy. So uh, we can't we can't put that all on uh, Bob JPEG himself. So I think that uh, was started well before his time as CEO. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's not fair to put the blame on JPEG. Uh, next up, we've got... Uh, a third complaint, not focused on creative culture. Uh, so yeah, I have no response to that one. I mean, there's a no defense for, uh, Bob Chapek on that one. I don't know. There's been reports, uh, from the inside of the company on, I, I'm thinking it was the New York times or wall street journal that wrote this article, but they were able to kind of, uh, get some insider information and, uh, interviewed someone from inside of the company. And they said, that Chapek is not a creative at all, doesn't really speak the language, very business-driven guy, kind of no, uh, really no nonsense kind of kind of personality. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, made changes. This is we can be see, this can be seen from the outside, but he's made changes to the company structure to minimize the impact that creatives can have at the company. So, kind of put them in lesser places of power, and. Honestly, I think the perfect example of this is the moving of Walt Disney Imagineering from California to Florida. Now, with that comes a shrinking of the department as a whole, and you are taking people from the original location where Walt Disney walked to to Orlando to cut cost, I think is the only reason I can think of moving uh, a whole entire team like that over to Disney World, uh, the area of Disney World. And again, the shrinking of that team. So I can only see that as cost cutting, which is super disappointing. And also, I feel like it's a little bit of kind of kicking the creatives out of uh, the SoCal area where, you know, the Disney executives uh, live and work. So that's interesting. You think they'd, you'd want your creative arm right there next to you so you can meet regularly and, uh, you know, they can... Uh, come over to corporate and kind of whatever, you know, you, there's collaboration, right? Especially in a creative environment like Disney. So you'd think you'd want them close by, but it feels like it's a little bit of excommunication going on. So yeah, I, I don't think he's really creative minded. Um, and I'll kind of dive as to why I think that might be might be a decent thing uh, for this season uh, at the Disney company. And finally, uh, this is the other complaint, and this actually probably is number one uh, as of now, but Disney Genie. So everyone's favorite, uh, you know, extra add-on, other expensive option that you have to have to enjoy your day at the Disney park. But yeah, I totally understand everyone's frustration with this. I've shared it multiple times on this podcast, but not a fan of the nickel and diming. Uh, you're spending serious cash to be at the Disney parks and just to be nickel and dimed after you get into the gate is insanely frustrating. So I get it. And I don't think there really is a great excuse, but I will say this. There is no, there's no dang way 
that uh, Bob Chapek and Co. created this uh, right when he, you know, right when he uh, started his tenure as CEO. So that 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 puts it at February of 2020. There is no way a giant company like Disney, right, employs thousands upon thousands of people, a multi-billion-dollar corporation would be able to develop something that quickly. You have to imagine, I, folk, you have jobs, right? So I, even at the company I'm at, which isn't a giant company like this, right? Not even close. It takes months and months, if not years, to develop products, to shift um, culture, to to kind of pivot as a company. It takes a lot of effort. And I can't imagine these giant companies being able to develop something this quickly without it being in the works for multiple years. So I don't, again, don't put the 100% blame on uh, Bob Chapek. Again, at the end of the day, does he uh, sign off on these things? Of course he does. So he bears some of the blame. But I think at the end of the day, this was in development for a long time and most likely when Iger was CEO. So again, I don't think it's fair to put 100% of the blame on him. Did he have influence on this? Of course he did. Uh, Did he have a say in this? Of course. Uh, But again, I don't think it's 100% uh, fair to put uh, all of the blame on Mr. Chapek. So this brings us to kind of my general thoughts on the company and my general thoughts on Mr. Chapek himself. So Uh, I've addressed the problems, kind of giving you my thoughts on those. Let me just give you my general thoughts. This is the catch-all section of this uh, podcast. But um, yeah, so Disney is clearly putting most of their focus on streaming and digital. So Disney Plus is the lifeboat for the company right now. And let me tell you why. So the company has made most of its, the Disney company has made most of its money in network television and movies for years, right? Since, I mean, the forever. So that that's where they've been making most of their money uh, for the past, let's say, what, that would be 40 something years, probably since the 80s. Um, so you have to understand that uh, those two industries are being disrupted every single day, right? You've got, uh, right, what you go around asking your 18 year old friend or son or brother, and go, hey, what what TV shows are you watching? Or what uh, what channel uh, is AMC on? They'll have no idea. They consume media and uh, movies and TV shows and all that stuff through their phone and streaming. So they'll they'll be go they'll they'll be able to tell you, oh, what's the hot Netflix show or what's the hot uh, Hulu show or maybe less a little less on the Hulu thing, but you know Apple Plus, whatever the heck that's called. Apple, Disney Plus, Netflix, HBO, all those streaming uh, services, they'll totally know the hot new TV show. Uh, you ask them what's, uh, what cool show was on network television on ABC, they'll have absolutely no clue. So that's being disrupted, right? Uh, movies, look at the pandemic. That has totally changed consumer behavior. So uh, what once was a very regular date night for teenagers and uh, family movie nights, uh, going out to the theater to spend 120 bucks to get snacks and watch a movie, that has really stopped, honestly. So the revenue for those types of uh, releases has dropped considerably. So people just like being at home. I think they realized, I don't really need to go to the movies and spend that amount of money. I can go buy a very big TV 
at Costco for 500 bucks now and get a decent sound system for another $500. And now I've got a, a mini movie theater experience at my own home and I don't have to leave and get sick or again, pay 70 bucks in uh, hot dogs and, and popcorn for the kids. So this has totally changed consumer behavior, I think, going forward. So Disney Plus is definitely the focus for the company. And you have to understand the importance of this. Disney stopped dividends, right? People pay, um, people buy Disney stock and then they get paid dividends. So let's say you own uh, five shares of Disney. They announced, hey, we've got a 36 cent uh, dividend. So 36 cents per share, that's what you get in a little bit of income or you can reinvest it. I'm not going to go into the details, but, um, yeah. So anyways, it's, Disney has always been a dividend, uh, uh, pain company. They stopped that straight up, just said, we're not paying it anymore to use that money. They would have spent on dividends, you know, returning money to their shareholders. They stopped that to reinvest into the Disney plus, uh, product. So they're spending billions and billions of dollars on content for Disney Plus. So this thing is so stinking important for the company. And with all that being said, that means less focus on the parks. I think that's just the the end of the day. That's just the the reality we're going to have to to be comfortable with as park goers, as Magic Key holders. So you know, it. I think. Uh, it's a it's a necessary investment. I think the Disney company needs to evolve and change, uh, just like any other company does, uh, with the times. And so this means that they're going to have to focus uh, both uh, financial uh, attention and also I think just attention, attention, uh, <laughs> executives' attentions and and the content producers' attention towards Disney Plus. So again. Does that mean they're not going to spend any money on the parks? No, not at all. But I don't think you'll see major developments happening. I don't think for the next five years or so. That's a guess. I could be way wrong. But um, I think Disney Plus is kind of the focus for the company uh, for the foreseeable future. And also, this means that I think Bob Chapek is kind of a transitory CEO. What do I mean by that? I think that... Bob Chapek is the guy that's going to kind of come and do the dirty work. He's the guy that's going to come in and shake things up for the company, be the bad guy, right? Reduce spend for the parks, increase spend for boring stuff like infrastructure for streaming, uh, you know, data warehouses, stuff that supports this new product. And he's going to transition this company that's an old school media delivery company, right? Uh, via, uh, via TV, via... Uh, movie theaters, and they're going to transition them from being that to a uh, cutting edge technology company like a Netflix and compete with them head on. So that comes with a lot of uh, boring things that comes with a lot of disruption for the company. Again, imagine what was once focused on, hey, we spend $250 million on a movie, and then we release it in theaters, and it makes $2 billion. That was kind of the business model for years. Imagine turning that on its head and going, hey, maybe instead of $250 million, can we spend $25 million and release it on Disney Plus where people spend $9 a month for? And yeah, it's to just go ahead and grow subscribers. So again, it's a totally different model. I don't want to get too far into it and bore you to death. But again, that takes kind of a CEO, uh, an operation-minded guy, a business-minded guy at the end of the day, and kind of less creative 
less creative knowledge is really required for that kind of CEO. And uh, again, I think you're going to see more focus on digital. I think you're going to see maybe game subscriptions come. So uh, maybe kids on uh, their phones or iPads, right? Kids have all that now at 11 years old. Uh, They'll be able to play Disney games and pay $5 a month, no ads, all that stuff. So I think you're going to see a lot of development in the digital space. And yeah, I honestly think, again, I'm going to reiterate this. I don't think it requires a very um, exciting, uh, creative-minded CEO to uh, to go through this. Um, again, everyone loved Iger. The dude knows, knew how to present things. He was very well-spoken, uh, charming guy. I mean, <laughs> a very, very handsome man, if I say so myself. <laughs> I know my wife and I would see him on TV, and I'm like, gosh, he's a handsome devil, isn't he? With his cool cardigans and his sweet collared shirts looking all fancy all the time anyways uh less on less on Iger but um yeah I mean uh yeah everyone loved Iger because of his uh just his conversation chops and his presentation chops so uh again JPEG is he a little robotic yeah he is I mean not a little a lot of robotic that dude's like another it looks like another animatronic up on the stage but again I think it's going to take that kind of personality to navigate this company uh and kind of move it and shift it to a new uh, new culture. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think we should worry about it, right? I think Disney's gonna continue to do amazing things as long as creatives are still there, as long as Imagineers are employed at the company, as long as amazing directors and producers are uh, given contracts for movies. Um, I think we're fine. Again, will it be a weird season? Of course it will. I don't think it's gonna be um, the golden age for Disney parks. Um, I think uh, if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, I think it's a great season for you because you're going to get a heck of a lot of value for 10 bucks a month or whatever it costs. So um, again, exciting times to see uh, Disney shift focus and innovate in different ways. Uh, Less exciting to see what's happening at the parks. And again, one more point uh, and then I'll stop. I'll shut up. But it's very very expensive to release new things at the park. Uh, Galaxy's Edge was something like, let me get you a figure here. I know Cars Land was a billion dollars to make. Let me tell you how much Galaxy's Edge was. Uh, This thing was, oh, a billion dollars. Wow. Okay. Did all that research for nothing. Uh, But yeah, a billion dollars. I mean, just a billion. That's not that much money. Uh, that's, That's a chunk of change. So you have to imagine that is a lot of money no matter how big a company is, a billion dollars is a billion dollars. So that's that takes a lot of investment. So parks aren't cheap to maintain. Parks aren't cheap to improve on. So again, I think we have to be fair in our expectations and understand that, again, a company that's required to make money <laughs> has to go ahead and cut a little bit after losing out on $7 billion over a span of a year and a half. So Uh, Again, I think we should probably chill uh, out a little bit. I'm guilty of it as well. I freak out and get mad over announcements and how things are handled now and uh, A, B, C, D, whatever, right? A million reasons why I can be upset. But at the end of the day, I'm lucky and blessed enough to be able to attend the Disney parks on a regular basis. It's still amazing. It's still magical. And uh, I think we should be grateful for the opportunity to uh, take part in this. I think there's a lot of people in the world that would uh, do a lot to to be in our position uh, and, you know, lucky enough to live so close. And again, I can go on, but I think we're lucky, right? I think uh, we're a lucky uh, group of people 
to go uh, somewhere like this. So uh, again, let's all take a chill pill and let's enjoy uh, what the Walt Disney Company uh, is able to provide. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to my rambling and and putting up with that. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at Market House Podcast. Uh, again, follow there to see some uh, pictures from the parks and, uh, you know, all the, all the fun, wacky stuff we get into. And uh, thanks so much again for joining us. We will see you next week. <laughs>